Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to the second series in my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. In series one, we explored what we mean by employee experience, and so now we are ready to unpick the how to achieving that. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So today is the continuation of a conversation that started at the side of a sports hall while our children zoomed around at a roller disco. And sitting here, uh, ready to talk to my guest today, feels a lot calmer and a lot quieter. So welcome, Will Shorter. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, it certainly is a lot quieter and a lot calmer. You're right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a global product manager for Diabetes Care at EF, EKF Diagnostics. Um, and it's a role that I understand you're really enjoying. And yes. you're in a company that you're really proud to be part of. But that hasn't always been the case. Um, and when we talked amidst the roller skates, um, you were just about to leave your last employer, where your experience was a very different reality to what it is today. And you experienced a culture that was actually felt so wrong for you uh, that you couldn't stay. And I think that's um, a really key lesson that I, I'm keen to unpick with you today. And the sad reality is that lots of employees are experiencing a culture or something that doesn't feel right and they're having to leave rather than those issues being resolved um, and the employee experience being improved so that they can stay so it's kind of a big um, a biggie right now in the world of work so well let's start off by hearing a little bit more about you and your role in the company you're at now yeah sure no problem yeah so yes i'm at ekf diagnostics um working on their diabetes care product range which is quite a broad um, range from chemical analysis to point of care testing which is more related to like doctors and nurses in hospitals or in doctor surgeries where they're actually carrying out tests on patients which could be a type 1 or type 2 diabetic mm -hmm. and they're trying to understand how their glucose levels are carrying through their blood system over a period of the last three months so it's not this like instant glucose testing, it's actually an understanding about how their bodies handled that glucose and their insulin interactions, et cetera, with the type ones over that, that three month period. So it's quite uh, interesting. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's an industry which is sadly growing because yeah. yeah. there's more yeah. and more diabetics, which is, which is a real shame, mm. but hopefully we, uh, you know, type two, hopefully that will, we can you know get that one under control and people can better their lives get that under control really just by doing exercise and, and, and their diet mm. but yeah it's it's great it's a great industry plenty to learn lots mm. of new things to develop and uh some, some great people to work with to take that that journey forward and you know what just that sentence alone that last one will says it all doesn't it in terms of is exciting there's lots to learn there are great people to to work with and I think you're hitting the kind of key points about what great culture is all about in terms of having that sense of team and having that sense of purpose that spark something that really excites you and what you do and 
and you can continue to grow and develop and so on. And I know some of those are things we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. So the Culture Economy Report in 2021 found that toxic workplace culture is costing the UK economy £20.2 billion per year. And almost a third of employees quit due to company culture, which is pretty staggering, um, mm. particularly seeing as actually work culture is something we have been talking about now for a number of years. And it has been very much centre of the radar for um, a period of time. And still there are lots of companies experiencing or employees experiencing challenges with that. So I'm really interested to know a little bit more about the culture in your last company that meant essentially that they lost your talent you, you mm. ended up leaving yeah it was it's very interesting it was it's quite weird that initially I, I questioned the culture actually um very early on in my employment mm. um I started to notice that there was no interaction between one another between colleagues wow that's a big you, you were in you were in the office and it was silent apart from people going to one another's desks and just whispering to one another. So it almost felt like someone had a secret, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like being a best behaviour at school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was really, really strange. And at first, I, just, I, I didn't think much of it. There was something in me started to, to question at that point. Something's not quite right here. But at that point, I couldn't work out what was not right. Mm. And... I decided, yeah, I'm going to continue. So I finished my probation paper. I thought, no, I'm going to continue. And I'd got to that point in, your, in, your, in where we'd hit COVID as well. So mm. everyone was in a position where, oh my God, you know, are you going to have a career or are you going to have a job? Mm. Because everything was yeah. changing. So I thought, I've got to stick with this and I've got to, I've got to go with it and work out what's going on and just change over the culture or or get myself established and not worry about the culture. Mm. So very, very, very early on that I sort of picked up these cultural things which were just going on there. And but I it, think also that's really interesting, isn't it? That your gut was telling you one thing. And actually yeah. had the pandemic not hit, it'd be really interesting to know if that would have changed your response. Because I wonder if it would, a lot of people have that instinct. They don't do anything different, they carry on regardless um, mm -hmm. their logic says I've got a job and security and so on pandemic puts a slightly different spin on that um, yes that is a really important part isn't it it is yeah definitely and I, and I did start to ask questions at that point I started to try and tease info out of my colleagues just like what's going on in the past if you know what I mean mm. and some were forthcoming and others weren't so you could tell there was something just not not mm. right mm. gosh so you're so you stayed during the pandemic and you were your job then I assume continued relatively normally for you during the pandemic or did it change completely so how how did that play out for you so I only really had I think it was around about two months in the office and then virtually for the rest of my for the majority of my career probably 80 percent of it there it was uh, working from home, apart from coming in for the occasional meeting or um, or going off site for a conference or whatever when they could happen. But predominantly, yeah, you, you was working from home. So it was a, a completely really weird and changed mm. position of working. 
because you could no longer go and talk to that person which might be next to you on the desk when you had a problem mm -hmm. you had to go over teams or something to try and address and speak so the whole communication aspect changed mm. and relationships changed as well mm. with people and, it's, and it's, it's interesting isn't it how just not having someone nearby that you can just ask that really simple question that you would if they were there but if you're having to arrange a team's meeting or something it automatically formalizes it it means it's got to have a higher status to take that person's time out of their calendar yes and so therefore you just don't ask those small questions and that's part of that growing and learning and settling in isn't it yeah it is yeah and it was and there was a lot more of me having to introduce myself to people rather than people being introduced mm. to me because you know you had normally if you're in an office you have people come up into that room mm. and oh this is such and such you know working down in R&D or they're working over in uh, in purchasing etc and you get that interaction you get to meet people whereas working on from home that went completely quite isolated yeah very isolated so you had not very long in the office before the pandemic hit, but and so you're then working remotely, yet you still realise that the culture wasn't right for you. So you're still experiencing the problems with that culture, even working at a distance. Yes. So what for you is standing out about that culture? It was, it was about this lack of communication. Mm. people not wanting to interact with one another mm. not wanting to friendly challenge as well yeah so you know you might be working on a project you know you're, you're you're all product managers and you're you have a responsibility for your product range and we're all always learning and looking at one another's markets and products and you're always constantly picking up knowledge from the markets from different people etc and in everything I've done before, there's always been this sharing of knowledge. Mm. So if you if you learn something is going on in someone's product area, you, you pass that knowledge on and say, this could affect your product. It's either going to make it grow or it's going to have an impact, which is a negative. Mm. And I've always been encouraged as a product manager to interact mm. and, and challenge one another, mm. uh, but not see it as a negative challenge, just to say, say like, oh, this product you're thinking launching do you think that maybe this other product which is going to come out is going to have a negative impact on what you want to try and bring out? And therefore you've gone for a product which is probably gone from having a, a, a good growth to which is maybe it's not the right product now for mm. that actual company mm. to take into the marketplace. And uh, so there was a lot of that sort of going on. So like, if I just like, oh, you know, small challenge. How about this? It's like, well, you're not being a team player okay gosh isn't that interesting so i was talking with um a client yesterday uh and i'm going to do some work with them on um later on this week where we are exploring that ability to feedback honestly and openly yeah. um, and that is about challenge the positive con conflict that we were talking about yesterday is that sense of feeling safe enough and knowing it's the right thing to provide that challenge. And if you do it for the right intention and you position it in the right way, using the right language and for a shared purpose about improving outcomes, then it's a really important part of being a team, isn't it? And actually this notion that 
I'm being a good team player by keeping quiet, even if I can see that someone's not doing something quite as well as they could, or they're making a mistake, or they don't know how to do something. That is, um, yeah, that, that's quite damaging, that, that belief that I've got to keep quiet. Oh, yeah, it really is. And it's interesting how people can get centralised around that mm. and um, or fear it. Mm. Fear, fear giving a negative, what might be conceived as being negative, but it could be a positive, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I can say, like, when I, had, I was doing some mentoring of, um, of a, an employee for, for myself and she had we gave her a, a project and she was going through it and she kept saying she turned around to me she went I don't think this project's right but I don't want to say anything and going no you, you mm. you've got to say if you if your gut is telling you and what you're looking at and the facts and everything is saying this project's not right you've you've got to say it and the earlier you can say it mm. the less damaging it can be to to a business because mm. they could, you know, you, you need to be able to pick up on them signs and signals, which are on an early stage. And, uh, and I think that's where it's partly about knowing how to say something, because people are really fearful about how to say something so it's going to land well. Yeah. But also for people to be able to hear calmly and with an open mind and know why something's being shared, mm. almost having to set the scene. If you haven't already got the culture, it's already having to set that scene and set, you know, explore people's beliefs around challenge and disagreements and so on. And do we, as soon as we hear someone challenging us or disagreeing with us, does that put us into fight flight mode? And, you know, this is all disaster and I need to get angry right now to defend myself. Or is this actually quite healthy because it means we can improve whatever it is we're working on? Yeah, um, yeah. So you have, there has to be that sense of, coaching or mentoring as you were doing to be able to say how to how to raise these issues but also it's got to be the other part hasn't there of, of it actually being able to or being heard in a way that um feels safe for the person to speak up mm -hmm. i'm guessing that wasn't the case where you were working it it was mixed there was a lot of prep there was a lot of prep done in order to deliver mm. it's timely yeah it's deliver that what essentially could be bad news because the, the, mm. the company's invested time and effort into a project mm. which is now not right to, to go forward so the, I think that's a fear it's just a fear element which most of us do have and you just have to get over that fear and think no you're doing the right thing you're not going to waste the company's money any yeah. further you're going to challenge it and if you know the board or whatever you know you produce these reports you sit in front of the board and the board still says we want to go ahead even though you've raised a risk, you've done your job by informing, informing yeah, exactly. them. Exactly. But, and I think it's really interesting that whole idea of actually how much fear we are holding on to. So many employees in their roles are holding on to um, or being motivated by a sense of fear. So, whether that's stopping them doing something or making them do something. And actually, that is exhausting. And that's kind of adding to that sense of burnout. And that's, ruining relationships and um impacting on communication and increasing risk you know errors and so on so i think to be able to acknowledge that it feels fearful and to be able to support someone going through that i think it's really important but it does you say it takes a huge amount of time and we could argue if the culture was really positive then we wouldn't be wasting so much time on trying to 
prep these conversations that actually should otherwise just happen quite naturally. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So what what stage did you realise that something really wasn't right? Like what was the day that you suddenly thought, hang on a minute, this this something has to change. I can't keep doing this. For me, it was a completion of probably one of my biggest projects. Okay. And I was I spent so much time on a project, and I mean physical time, time away from from the family when I should have been with the family, getting up early, working till late, really not having the support that I needed from the team which was around me. Mm to bring a project forward in a very short space of time, really, really quickly. And it was worth a huge amount of money to the company. Mm. Um, to the extent that I did actually overstep the mark of my position. Mm -hmm. I'm actually done other people's roles for them mm -hmm. because they weren't doing what I needed them to do. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't have brought the project over the line. Yeah, And then when it was a success and there was some quite negative feedback, even though it was a success, that made me realize this is not the place to be. And uh, I was also then put under, I was actually then actually mentally tired, physically tired. Mm. Um, I was then told my enthusiasm had gone. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. And, and I was like, well, I'm not surprised. It's gone and explained my position. And then I was put in a program where I was being really heavily micromanaged then. Because they said they wanted to be bring, me, bring me back up to where my infusion level was, was back where it used to be. Mm. And to me, then it just made me realise they don't realise what I've done. Mm. They don't realise how much this has taken out of me. Mm. and the success it's bringing this is not right I need to get out of this this culture and position and and working within this type of environment yeah. and and at this point I could then start seeing other people around me which were beginning to suffer the same as me mm. so is that lack of recognition of all your effort and all your time and energy and just focusing on finding things to criticize as opposed to recognizing the huge rewards that you bought the company well to me at that time I could I, what I think should have been done was uh taking a back step and looked at exactly what we did mm. and work out why did I step over the mark mm. Yes. You know what? Yeah, everything you're saying is is pretty much word for word. The conversation I was having with this client yesterday, which is why I'm doing a review with their team about a project on later this week. Yeah. Because of, uh, and asking those questions. Because yeah. you don't spend enough time stopping and learning from what has happened, learning from our experience, learning what went well, but actually why, what do we expect to happen? What actually happened why was there a difference yeah yeah i didn't i didn't think what is about pointing blame no because we shouldn't appoint blame it should be about what could we do different mm. if we're in this same situation again next time to ensure that 
everyone comes together mm. and does what's expected of them to get this across the line. Yeah. And that's such a key point you raise, Will, about getting rid of the blame. Yeah. So it's drummed into us that whenever something's wrong, there has to be a sense of blame. You know, whether it's about, you know, your right to compensation or, you know, it's always a sense of pointing a finger and saying you're to blame. Whereas actually we remove that sense of blame. You're not allowed to blame people. And actually by looking at what we did wrong, what each of us, what our part was in the bigger picture. And even if we think we did our bit brilliantly, actually if one of our team players didn't do their bit so well, perhaps we could have helped them more, or perhaps we should have noticed and fed that back or something. We have, we all have a part to play in the big system. We can't just shut ourselves off and say, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if we all, if we all stop to do that a little bit more, we would, we would learn a huge amount, but we've got to remove that, that level of fear about the feedback and about people challenging what we did and how we did it and why we did it. And, being able to have a voice to say, actually, this is my experience. This is what I want to feedback. Huge amount of learning. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Definitely. So what happened with, um, at what stage was there a psychological profile? Because you said that you, when we were chatting before, you were, you were talking about the fact that you, you almost didn't recognise yourself and that really rang alarm bells for you. That was literally... I think it must have been a month before I actually finally left. So we'd done, we'd done this, we'd filled out all the data for the psychological profile, um, probably about December, 2021. And then I left him, I left in February and, um, and we'd done reviewing in February and I'd done a psychological profile myself in, in previous companies. And so I knew what I was sort of expecting. Mm-hmm. And, and when this one came out, it wasn't me because my drive had gone. But then when I look at that, yeah, my drive had gone. Everything about me had gone. So, yeah, when I looked at my disc, I was predominantly an INS, which is what I had always sort of been. Mm. But I'd had a lot more D. Mm. And on this one, there was no D. There was virtually nothing how did you feel when you realised that something something has been fundamentally part of your identity, who you are, something you're proud of, something yeah. you bring to work? How did you feel when you noticed that that had kind of been knocked out of you? It really made me realise that this is I'm doing the right thing to move to move on because I'm not who I am. And since starting in this new role, I can feel my drive coming back again. I can mm. feel I feel like myself again. Mm. And just like just seeing you, I know people listening to this can't see it, but I'm hoping they can hear it through your voice because when you talk about your new role and that sense of drive and so on, you know, you're you can see that energy in you, that massive grin on your face. It's that real sense of I'm just excited to be back being who I really am. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. It's it's so great to feel myself again and not feel this low. Yeah. And who am I? You know. As a product manager, I think you have to use all of the the disc profile. Mm. You do because you you have to be um, accurate. You have to drive things forward. You have to interact differently with people in different ways. You have to influence them, etc., or be sympathetic. Mm. So you have to use that whole disc profile as you work with people. But 
yourself, you've got your own disc profile. And, and as soon as you lose yourself, yeah. because the way you're in an environment or the way that you've been adapted to change, you, you can very quickly become uncomfortable with who you are and what you're doing. And that's clearly what happened to me. And I just, I wish more companies would spend time, whether it's using disc profiling or um, there are lots of other options around to identify strengths. If we just knew what people's strengths were and what drives people, and we really honed in on those and we really helped tweak roles so that people could do the thing they're really, really passionate about and they're really good at. And rather than staying with these kind of rigid structures of how we traditionally do things around here, then we would have this workforce who are on fire. This is a sense of right, really real enthusiasm and energy for being able to do the stuff that we love doing. Oh, yeah. And I think, to be honest, if you know your colleagues, this profile, yeah. you can understand them better. And that's one thing that I thought was really good as I left. That's what they were doing. Everybody was presenting their own. Mm-hmm. this profile and it really as I was leaving I really go okay I now know why this person is really um challenging when it comes to getting something signed off because they're really heavily detailed focus yeah they want more detail than I could ever imagine or yeah. think about providing in order to make their decision to move forward mm-hmm. and if you know that then you know when I work with this person, that's what they need. And I'll provide them with that detail so that they feel comfortable in order to move forward in a Mm. project or whatever. Mm. Hugely important. You know, we talk a lot about self-awareness, I talk a lot about self-awareness, but that awareness of those people around us and what they need, that kind of personal approach to all our interactions is so, so vital to make sure that we maximise those relationships by just tweet by fine-tuning that communication yeah whether that's verbal or written or whatever it is we might be doing but just knowing what it is that someone needs really important oh yeah definitely you know with some profiles oh yeah I sort of picked up on that they're they're a little bit like this but then I I understood them a lot better just from from seeing that yeah so well let's let's drill down a little bit more into some of the specific aspects of the culture in your last workplace that was problematic because lots there's been lots talked about and written about culture over the last however many years but and it's it's such a general term so let's fine-tune what we're talking about in terms of aspects around firstly development there was I know for you there was a challenge around the development piece do you want to explain a little bit more about that yeah yeah sure so um I was actually given an opportunity while I was at my last employment to develop myself in a way that I've always wanted to be I've always wanted to be to go into some sort of uh, man management position Mm -hmm. and I was given the opportunity to take on a, a junior product manager uh, I went through the whole um, CV reading process, done the whole interview, done the employment, 
and took her underneath my wing as uh, to mentor her, not just manager, but to mentor her and, and take her into a role that she wasn't familiar with and really progress her. Mm. And um, I was so excited and, and actually really enjoyed that, that mentoring. It was actually quite nice to actually pass on what had been given to me from someone else who'd taken me down, down the same route, if you, if you know what I mean, from, from past employment. And, uh, but sadly, it, it, it didn't work out and I lost my, my opportunity to continue to develop myself and mentor uh, this junior product manager because my project was too important and too big and it demanded too much of my time that I was deemed that I didn't have the time to support her in the way which was required and needed for the business. And, uh, and therefore, I lost my own development opportunity for myself which was just it was heartbreaking really you know I thought it was going to be a short period of time that's what was talked about you know we need you to focus on this and then we'll, we'll bring her back and you'll have that responsibility and continue down your journey and then it became apparent that's just not going to happen that is heartbreaking because even as you're describing that again your passion for developing someone else for that mentoring role and actually when someone's good at mentoring you need them doing that because that's mm-hmm. a skill in its own right for you for that to have been taken away which obviously will have impacted on her but also on you and your opportunities your your opportunity for growth and development and um and not just focusing on product development but focusing on people yeah yeah definitely you know, I'm I'm still pleased. I can see I've, I've done a good job with her. She done, she's doing really well now. I'm really pleased for her. And it was nice when I left the feedback that she gave me, how much she enjoyed being mentored by me and, and encouraging her to, to come out of her shell and, and not be worried. But yeah, it, it was it was hard, really, really hard. And, you know, I'm not saying that I, I'm not looking for the future to become a manager or anything, but... For now, I want to get myself grounded and back to where I was mm. and being myself. And, and maybe in the future, I'd like to step back into that mentoring type type management role. What I thought was interesting, as I was reading something recently, I said that for nine years in a row, the employee retention report has found that career development is the number one reason why employees leave their jobs. That sense of growth and development in your role. And you were given that. And then it was swiftly taken away from you. And I think that is quite typical because people see their main role as being, in your case, the product. You're developing this product and therefore we need to focus you on that. And too often people forget the people side. It's Mm -hmm. all about products. It's all about numbers. And they actually miss the, the vital bit about if we can develop people and enable people to grow, not only are we building our talent within our company which obviously is going to have huge benefits it's keeping people interested and it's keeping uh them using their strengths you 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 love mentoring you're good at mentoring you could see the the positive benefits that had for you and for her so to suddenly have that taken away is very short-sighted isn't it it is yeah definitely yeah you know, if, you know, I can understand if they wanted to take it away for maybe they say, okay, the next two weeks we want you just to focus on this project, not have any responsibility, get something over the line, fine. Mm. But it was longer term. Mm. So what about micromanagement? <laughs> no. Oh. <that's... laughs> 
<laughs> that that response says it all well because i think it's really interesting that micromanagement is such a is is something that makes people cringe and it still happens such a lot isn't it and i think it's really interesting that you know we see it a lot when team leaders are trying to exert their sense of control and actually it's often when people feel out of control they end up micromanaging um or they need that sense of authority because actually underlying everything they have a real sense of insecurity that they don't want to uh allow others to see and i think you know as individuals people can be a uh have a, a character that's a bit like a micromanager or sometimes we are not like that as individuals but we go into an organizational culture that is very much around hierarchy and control and so on so people who were never micromanagers in the past life suddenly become one because of that organizational culture so what happened for you what was your experience it was just consuming mm. for, for me it, a manager should be able to lay out what's expected of you and give you direction and, and communicate that in a way that you don't need to be micromanaged mm. You need to be checked in, of course. So you need you need regular check-ins. Make sure you are on track. You are doing what's expected, mm. but you don't need to be told every single minute piece of detail that you should be mm. doing and checked on. Are you doing every single piece of minute detail? When you run a project, you have milestones. Yeah, and you're seeing whether or not the milestones. Are on track you're not seeing whether or not every single little tiny activity for that milestone is on track mm. you know it just it reminds me actually you're describing that a bit like you know when scouts go off or people during duke of edinburgh go off and they'll do their expeditions and people make sure they've got the the map and they've got the compass they know where they're heading but then ultimately the young people head off on their own and every so often they'll be leaders checking that people are still on the right track yeah. they've got completely lost um but that's almost that's the kind of model that you're describing is a sign of a good manager and i couldn't yeah. agree more rather than someone literally walking with you holding your hand and yanking you back onto the park if you dare to step aside yeah fully 100 percent. yeah and i think it's you know people sometimes say what are the signs of a micromanager and it's I think it's quite, it'd be quite interesting to hear what you noticed about the, the kind of key characteristics, because you know, often it'd be around people controlling the task rather than actually focusing on the outcome, um, ignoring feedback, obsessing over all the little details rather than kind of looking at the big picture, hating any decisions that don't really involve them. Um, and as soon as there's a problem, with anything as soon as something doesn't seem to be going quite according to plan they want to take over they want to get involved and and, and take control back what did you particularly experience it was a lot of this want to know the real minute detail of, of a task and if they felt that wasn't yeah going how they envisaged it rather than thinking about the whole bigger picture or what other things were going on which would help to achieve that lower element of a task, mm. focusing too much on it and just really trying to take control of it rather than going, okay, see this little task, I'm a little bit worried about it. Can you bring it back on track and asking you how you're going to do it 
no, this is how you're going to do it type mm. scenario. And then expecting the, then you spend a lot more time rather than actually trying to sort out that task, you spend a lot more time writing a plan, giving the huge amount of detail on how you're going to sort out a small task and get that small task over the line. And that sort of stuff that's also going to be sapping all your energy that you yeah. talked about earlier that you had none left. Yeah. Okay, so micromanagement was a, another key part. Um, and was that something that was part of, um, did that become part of the organisational culture? Was that sort of one or two individuals or was that something that the culture of that workplace was creating, shaping managers that were becoming more like that? No, it was just more centralised around, around one person more than anything, yeah. Um, I would say that the general... There wasn't an overall micromanagement culture across the whole company. Okay. But there was one manager which very much um, positioned their house in that position that they wanted to know the, the absolute minute and infinite mm. detail of anything which was, was going on. And do you have a sense that the company knew about that and just didn't want to tackle it or they didn't know about it? or There's a sense of they did know a little bit about it uh whether they wanted to tackle it is is another is it, I, i'm not sure mm. and the reason i ask that is because i again i think that's a really interesting question for companies to ask themselves and to be really honest about when they know that there are pockets of practice that are not working and that's going to cause you know the high staff turnover or staff absence and lower productivity and so on yet they don't have the courage to deal with that problem and for mm -hmm. me i always there are lots of different reasons why that might happen. I'm always curious to know what is blocking them addressing that problem. Mm -hmm. Because the impact um, of not addressing that problem is quite significant. Yeah. No, it's interesting. You know, I think sometimes as, em as employees, we don't always necessarily speak out ourselves. Mm. Particularly if you're not in a culture that is encouraging you to speak out. No. You've got to be, got to be encouraged but you've got to have all, you've got to observe, you've got to experience all the signs that are backing that encouragement to speak out rather yeah. than, of course you can speak to say what you think will and then everything else actually works against that. Yeah. Okay. So what about um, also the, the pace of change? I know, again, when we were talking before, you were mentioning that things just felt quite slow. And so in terms of product development and, and being in the industry you're in for me who knows nothing about that industry it's, it's I would assume it's got to be quite fast-paced you've got to be staying kind of ahead of the curve you've got to be innovative and creative and you've got to be quite responsive to the market and um and to be able to kind of change accordingly and it didn't sound as if that was uh the reality for you you've got to be very forward thinking mm. when it comes to medical advice you've got to be thinking what's going to be the next the next area, the next direction. Mm. Projects will take a long time in medical devices because of you have to go through all the rigorous testing. There's a lot of regulatory elements that you have to comply with, a lot of quality standards you have to comply with. So they, they're always going to be long projects. Mm. But in that project, there's going to be opportunities for speed and progress something quickly 
mm. a certain element, progress it quickly and allow that project to, to move on and let another project come in behind it and start that one flowing. And prior to going into the medical industry, I was involved in print and that, that, was, that was the opposite, that was fast. I could take a product from a concept idea into research and development and have it on the market within three months. Mm. Whereas in medical, you'd be talking minimum one year, probably up to two to three years. Mm. But you can take that same approach. So in, in that fast approach, there are little downtimes where you have the opportunity to step in front of yourself and take an element which is coming up in front of you and start working on that so that you can then ensure that you drive the project forward yeah. and not have any stumbling blocks or any barriers in order for you to progress it within the time period that you're given. Mm-hmm. And that's where I had a problem around the culture. Everything was, there was a bit of a slowness within that culture where it was, well, we're not really there yet. We don't need to really worry about that yet. No, let's start talking about it. Let's begin to think about it. Let's, you know, let's start a contract, moving it forward, start that negotiation process so that when we get to this point, it's already done. Mm. And that would already be detailed in a in a plan that we want to do it that way. But the culture was, well, yeah, it might be on that date, but we don't really need it yet. So but we're going to get it done then, and later on. And because of that, when things start to go wrong, that's when that project slowly, slowly starts to lose its deliverable date. Mm. It's interesting that the, the employers um, stifling the influence that their employees can have over what and how things are done is another one of the key reasons that people leave their jobs, according to Lopez, who's writing for Forbes recently. And it's that sense of when you're, you can see how things perhaps could be done better, could be done quicker, could be done um, so that you can stay on top of things. You know, you've got that insight, yet they're not, they're not asking for it or they're ignoring it. I think it's more of a case of they're doing what they've been used to and the norm of what their processes have been. You know, they might be focused more on their manufacturing mm. and their, their, their focus and their requirements and needs or their um, targets will be focused around the manufacturing. They won't be focused around delivering a new product. And those are the types of things that really have that impact in creative culture, which doesn't bring that unity of everybody together. Mm. So, What's the, what was the impact of all that on you? I mean, we you know discussed a little bit about micromanagement and development and so on. What what has, what was the impact of working in that culture? It was feeling like I wasn't achieving. Mm. Basically, it was it felt like here we go again. Here's another deadline which is going to be missed. And that's so demoralizing. Yeah. You know, I wasn't afraid about sitting down and saying, okay, we're not going to hit this particular target. We're not going to hit this particular deadline. This is why. 
Mm. But consistently not hitting it was demoralizing. Massively. Yeah. And everything you've described is so typical of, um, you know, causes for people who just stop being so creative. You know, it just feels like it's wasting time. You don't ever have that sense of achievement and recognition. You don't have those opportunities to feel proud of what you've achieved and for people to realise your value. And of course, describing the culture that you have today, Will, it's, you know, you can see why some workplaces feel like they've got a quite a hostile working environment where people um, kind of might appear to get on on the surface, but underneath there could be all sorts of ripples discontent that again is not aired because we don't have the opportunity to feedback um you can see why it's a it's a big problem for a lot of employees yeah frankly i can say they did take on board the advice so they they could uh, you know it was noticed and and realized that that culture had to change and yes they um they they i'm sure they've made all the changes necessary to, to, to change that culture now but it was too late for me but at least they've they have i mean too late for you you sound like you've you've landed on your feet in a really great role there where you can be you again which is which is awesome um it's great that they have taken on that feedback and i think when people are open to recognizing that they have they're not necessarily doing things the best way and you know maybe we've had a management here a leadership here who've been here for quite a long time they're used to doing things in their way which is quite traditional and not used to necessarily uh, changing things being adaptive getting feedback um just having a very different way of working which we all know is what's needed now and, and um you know employees are walking with their feet if they're if they're not experiencing what they what they need if if people are open to that and are willing to make the changes necessary which is more than just paying lip service to it mm-hmm. um then that that's got to be a good thing Yes, yeah, definitely. So what about um, your new company then, in terms of the positive aspects? What's, what are they doing so well that actually is, has, is like chalk and cheese with your last company? It is. So, it's, you know, I'm, I'm working remote. So majority of my colleagues are working down in Cardiff mm-hmm. or they're in Germany or they're in the USA. But the interaction and communication with them is tenfold of a difference um, which just makes life working uh, so much easier I can say I've got some good mentors here as well in, in the company which are wanting me to achieve and they give me the direction because I am having to learn something completely new uh-huh. to me which, which is fantastic um, and I can see that they've got a drive to, to move things forward, which is which is just fantastic. You know, you're sitting in the meetings, I sit there with my boss, and there's there's, there's a drive to, to, to take things forward and uh, and be innovative and do something different, do something even with the existing products, do something, change the way that we are presenting them, change the way that we are um marketing them and everything it's just it's just nice to be able to be creative again and learn new skills and bring my own skills that i picked up over the years into a different organization your face lights up when you're talking about that yeah (laughs) it does yeah (laughs) 
So, I think it's really interesting because you know you're you're saying that you're describing something that sounds brilliant um off the back of your comment that actually you're working remotely and it was in um a previous episode with Dave Harms that we we're talking about remote working and how we can achieve a culture and and so on and I know actually you had some positive experience of that from in in the past as well what specifically are some of the key attributes of that remote working that really drive that culture so although you're not physically together because a lot of people really worry about this about how can we how can we establish or how can we maintain a culture when our workforce is spread out around the country what what a few can you share a few kind of key aspects of that it's connecting it's it's connecting with people not just in in a in a work way Mm -hmm. um so previously we during the covid times we were all at at home we had a half an hour each day where we were all supposed to check in online over Teams. And it was a check-in non-work related. Mm. So it'd be like the time that you'd have when you're normally at the coffee machine or in the canteen or yeah. just sitting around the desks or whatever it created that time and we've done some really fun and really wacky things during that time which which was great so you know there was things like that you would normally do trying to learn doing you know um two lies one truth mm. to try and learn more about you know your yeah. colleagues uh and then we've done some really really wacky things like uh we, we called it the, the the uh pentathlon which was just a pure bit of fun it was 10 activities where um, someone would host it and you would have to go and do something in your house. So it might be you're given a challenge, you have one minute to build a, a tower out of toilet rolls, or you have to go and find an umbrella and a hat and put the hat on and put the umbrella up and sit in front of the camera. And you had to do it within a time limit and you got yeah. points yeah. on how quick, etc. you did it. And, or you had to um, have a deck of cards and you had to... Um, present the certain cards in a certain order and again it was timed and you have point it was just fun it was just yeah. really really fun it really engaged with everybody and it brought everyone together and and we also have all the memories now on our phone because some of it was done through whatsapp and you look back at your phone you're, oh my god it was me with a, a spoon balanced on my nose or <laughs> you know what that fun is such an important part of business isn't it and I know yeah some people really struggle with that sense of well what a waste of time spending half an hour a day doing that when I could be sitting here plowing on through my email or getting on with a report or whatever I'm supposed to be doing and I cannot stress enough the importance of having fun with your colleagues because that's where it's in those moments of actually um not trying to have a focus time we've got to we've got to solve a problem when you're just having fun with people and you're having a laugh and you you you're not allowed to talk about work in your particular situations, but when people are connecting, having fun, they can see each other, they can see their strengths, they can experience that sense of connection, which means that actually things are much more likely to come to um, come to mind if, you, if we're stuck on something, we're challenged on something. You know, you've got that sense that someone's got my back, they know me, or I can pick up the phone and just ask them that ridiculous question. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not sitting next to them because I know I trust them I know them well enough to know that that's okay 
that we I cannot stress enough the importance of doing that and also for our own sake it just brings down that sense of being on doesn't it that sense of intensity of of kind of that emotional drain it's like oh it's a bit of respite yeah yeah definitely and 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 I've continued that you know since I've moved on into a new company we haven't done the fun games and things but we've I've made I said the first I said you've got a whatsapp group yeah yeah Oh yeah, we haven't always jokes. So there's jokes. There's, we're always joking around. We're giving a little banter to one another. There's, there's nothing. There's no harm banter, but yeah. there's that yeah. banter. There's that relationship, which is which is building, and it happens during the day when we're working. It may not happen sometimes in the evenings, but you need that in your your workplace. You don't just go to workplace to work. Exactly. You go there to interact with your colleagues in in so many different ways. Yeah. It's because it's who is part of your life. It's part yeah. of you want to be able to be you. And that means actually to have a bit of a laugh and have some fun and like the people you're with, have that sense of, of connection. Yeah. Yeah, I get that entirely. So if I so if I could pick you up and um drop you back into your old company as it was, so I know that you know you've acknowledged they've probably gone through quite a lot of change now. And you had that sense of a magic wand. <laughs> so you, you could say, right, this is what. I think actually if you could start doing some of these things better, even if it's just small things. So ideally when we're talking about culture and, you know, we're talking about lots of the things that you've talked about today, it's, it needs to be driven from the leadership level. But across an organisation, there are so many small things that people can do that start to have that knock-on effect. Um, you know, it's almost like dropping the stone in the a pebble in the pond and it just has those ripples. So we can all start to do something different. Do you have kind of advice or tips that you think actually if they could do it a bit like this instead or if they could have done these simple things then actually it would have made a difference so one the one is definitely the fun have fun at work yeah don't, you know heard in the office be heard in the office don't, don't be quiet talk to one another engage with one another and yeah check in with one another mm. Definitely, you know, don't just say hello, how are you? Because nine times out of ten, when you ask someone how are you, they go, like, Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, very British. <laughs> yeah. But are they, you know, and you, you know, check in properly. You know, you know what people your colleagues are doing, you know the project they're doing, you know they're probably going for a problem. Check in properly with them. Mm. And um it creates that culture of you being together then. Mm. And uh that that would be my my key thing really to change there to create that culture of everyone being together and not um, being on your own. And what about things like plans for growth and development? So that sense of plans that enable you to use your strengths and have a sense of where you want to go and how you're going to develop that and to be able to shape your role and provide feedback about that is that something that you think would make a difference oh it always is going to make a difference any opportunity for a, an employee to give feedback to employer mm. is great i always remember uh in previous well, 365s we do a full 365 review of your review of your manager and yeah. that so you know you, you you know we all get our own personal development reviews and you really get your feedback but also managers need to have the feedback from their from their employees yes. exactly how they're feeling and 
how they can change or whatever you know it's not about negative it's about the positive elements and I guess on that you know the manager awareness is that sense of needing to develop manager skills very consciously so not leaving that to chance so if you get someone who really doesn't know how to manage and so they fall to a default setting which might be about micromanagement because they feel they're in control because they don't know how else to do it I guess it's about having a sense of um, clear development for those managers so that they yeah. can fulfill their role with competence and confidence yeah and trust and trust there's a big subject we haven't even got onto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but trust, hugely, hugely important. Um, yeah. And that that underpins everything to do with good culture, doesn't it? Yeah. And what and I guess also with part of that then is when we think about change, helping people again, helping managers know how to lead change. And I mm-hmm. and I, you know, I do a lot of work with um, someone called Amanda Page around change leadership and we both have a real aversion to the term change management because we're not managing change we want to lead people on a journey which feels exciting and about growth and development and about um taking risks and knowing that actually that's quite scary so people's behavior will change that's not because they're being awkward it's because they're a bit anxious right now and but but giving again people the the know-how about looking for feedback and finding, hearing people's ideas about we could do this or have you thought about that or there's an opportunity over here and and going with the flow a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's I thoroughly agree with that. I always remember, I remember 2008 when we had when we had that crash and so many people who were employment um, lost their jobs sadly, mm. and there was other people where companies took a different approach where they went they stood in front of their workforce and said this isn't forever yeah but we need you to work with us we're going to lead you through this Mm -hmm. we're not going to let you lose your job but we are going to have to take your salary down Mm. but they lead it they gave a clear explanation of why and what would happen and it went so much easier I can remember that I can remember I'd gone through like periods of time where there'd been redundancy before and been on edge. But during that whole time there, I didn't feel on edge. I actually felt I was in control and I was being led and controlled in the right direction. And it came out the other end exactly as they planned. And it was led fantastically. Doesn't that make all the difference when someone knows yeah. how to lead change? But again, that's one of those things that we often don't invest enough in. We don't invest enough in you know, developing manager skills or developing confidence about how to lead change because, or how to have difficult conversations and positive conflict and, um, and so on, because those are, that's the soft stuff over there. We just assume people have that or they'll just muddle along and work it out for themselves. Let's just focus on the product or whatever it is we're, we're doing as a, a kind of our main focus. And for me, that's so wrong. If we can, if we can work on those soft skills, um, it makes the difference to everything across the yeah, board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So are there any other practical actions that you think that we haven't kind of discussed that you think would be really useful that you would like to see business leaders implementing now to bring out the best in their teams so that their teams can thrive and perform really well? There's, there's a lot to be done with, with mental health. Mm. 
engage you know employers need to engage with employees on mental health that's something which that the previous company did really really well that's good okay but i think that's something that that more and more companies need to do not necessarily it's about giving people access to uh mental health people to to actually support them but giving them access to resources which can help you yourself support yourself with your own mental health mm-hmm. yes i'm a great advocate for that yeah <laughs> it's not necessarily people don't need to be referred on to someone it's about no. actually empowering them giving them the knowledge as you say the access so that they can tweak things they can do things differently greater self-awareness yeah it is you know i went through the whole lot of stuff with, with mind and um i've taken up running and that's my time to completely forget about work mm. completely forget about home mm. taking a new surrounding enjoy the different elements which are going on around me yeah of course i'm gonna have a focus i want to be faster or i want to get to this point by by that but it's you need that time, you need that element to break away from everything and reset your yourself. It's not always just about, you know, going into a room and reading a book. It's It can be different things and you have to find what's right yeah. for you. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. And also, and just knowing that depending on your mood and depending on a whole load of other factors, that thing that's right for you might change from day to day. Yes, I didn't... Um, because the nature of my day I didn't get outside to go for even take the dog for a walk or anything so randomly at half past nine last night as it's getting dark I was putting plants in my window boxes because they've been sat on my patio for yonks were gradually dying and I was like yeah it's getting dark and it's that sense of you can't get I was saying I can't go and plant them now it's dark I was like well why not who's saying I can't go and do that yeah. I know if I go and do that I'll feel a lot better afterwards um, and I did. It's only this morning I could actually see them. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, Lydia Berry, who was my last guest um, mm. on my on this podcast, provided me with a question for you. Okay, so this is this is my last question to you. Okay. Today. And I and I love the simplicity of this question. So, what brings you joy? Oh, it brings me joy. Achievement. Mm. But it's not just about achievement for me. It can be achievement for somebody else as well. Yeah. And that's really come through, actually, from hearing you talk about how much you enjoy mentoring and actually why I think you are probably a pretty good manager because of when you're engaging with that, it's actually all about the pleasure you get from seeing that person doing well. Yeah. And I take that with my with my children as well. I watch them. And when you see them achieve something, mm. something they didn't think was achievable themselves, mm. and you can take so much pleasure in seeing them mm. achieve. Yeah. Will, thank you so much for joining me today because I think it's really interesting hearing from someone with a different perspective. I've talked a lot with people who are leading their culture but to actually hear someone who's been part of a culture that has not been a great experience and to be able to unpick a little bit about why that was to help people listening to this to maybe reflect a bit more on 
their practice and their organization and and to start to question that a little bit more I think that's been really really helpful if people wanted to get in touch with you um what's the best way to do that we'll put specific contact details in the show notes but you're happy for people to reach out yeah no problem um they have my LinkedIn and my telephone number that's not a problem brilliant that's very kind well thank you so very much for today um and I want to I want to interview you again or I want to have another conversation with you again in like a year's time to hear about when you are a manager and you're mentoring loads of people and you're moving to the next <laughs> thing. So, um, so good luck with all that. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on Beyond the Water Cooler. If you love it, I would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk. My details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new, interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.